0: Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, Roshamom. mom. Rebecca, her mother Denise, and grandmother Gloria have a case regarding memory. Specifically, is the memory of a child or an adult more reliable? Denise insists that a gray house stood next door to her childhood home. Gloria says that's simply not true and that the house must be a figment of Denise's imagination. Rebecca's been dragged in to adjudicate their dispute before, but she's got issues of her own with her mom's recollections of past events. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who can even remember? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom.
1: To a dispute, then, I owe my first gleam of consciousness since the first creatures on Earth to become aware of time were also the first creatures to judge. (laughs) Bailiff Jesse, please swear them in.
0: Please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth of the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you, God, or whatever?
1: I
2: I do.
0: I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling despite the fact that... He has no need for a memory since he purchased a sixty-four kilobit Sharp personal organizer. <laughs>
1: I do, I do. I do.
0: <laughs> very well, Judge Hodgman.
1: Sharp, very sharp. Uh, this is actually a dispute uh, between a, a, a mother and a grandmother with a daughter, sort of falling in the middle. Is that correct? It is. All right. Now, who speaks right then?
2: Uh, I'm Rebecca. I'm the and, granddaughter. And you are the daughter. grand.
1: You are the granddaughter. And Denise, uh, Judge
2: Hodgman, may uh, we be seated?
1: Uh, for the impudence, no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and now you may be seated. Only because only Thank you. only because uh, you are you are hardworking women who deserve a seat. <laughs> Thank you. Re- uh, now, Rebecca, you are the granddaughter. I am. Your mother is Denise. May I hear your voice, please?
3: Yes,
1: I'm Denise. Denise, and then Gloria, you are the grandmother in this situation?
4: Yes, I am.
1: Very well. First of all, let me just point out that Gloria, the grandmother, has the best Skype connection of all. So, shame on both you, and Denise and Rebecca. <laughs>
4: God, thank you.
1: Now, for an immediate summary judgment in your favor, Rebecca, can you name the piece of culture that I paraphrased when I entered the courtroom? I'm afraid
2: I cannot, and I ex- expected that question. Um, no, I can't.
1: Denise or Gloria, can either of you, for an immediate summary judgment in your favor?
3: No, and I knew you'd do this when I heard the Princess Bride one. I said, "Oh, I I know that one, yeah. but no, I'm not familiar with this one."
1: It was it was a paraphrase of Vladimir Nabokov's Speak mm. Memory.
3: Really? It, okay, it's been a long time since I've read.
1: That. Well, I don't know. I, I I looked it up on the internet earlier. I I may have forgotten. <laughs> Rebecca, you are you are the mediating factor here. This fight is actually between your mom and your grandmom, Denise, the mother. What is it that you and your uh, your mother, Gloria, disagree over?
3: Oh, well, let's see, eight, nine, ten years old thereabouts for me. We lived in a house on what was at that time a little two lane road, and east of us, probably less than a quarter of a mile, was about was a little creek where we used to play all the time. My brother. Um, who was four or five at the time, my sister, who was about a year behind me, and then me, the oldest. And so we were running up and down that street to the creek all the time.
1: And so please tell me, what state was this in? Oregon. Where in Oregon?
3: Not too far from Portland, a very rural area at the time. It's very developed now, but it was um, farming country then.
1: I see. And you you were sustainably raising organic chickens and Giving each other tattoos?
3: No tattoos, but there were chickens and a big garden, yes. All right.
1: And, uh, and without, uh, without getting too t- t- uh, deeply into personal matters, may I inquire as to uh, the year, more or less, of, the, of this, uh, this happening?
3: Yes, it would have been 61, 62, okay. um, early 60, and into 63, so, because we lived in that house um, at the Kennedy assassination. So that was 63.
1: All right. And so some simple math tells me that that was about 100 years ago. Is that correct?
3: Roughly. <laughs> right. It certainly feels like it, yes.
1: All right. And you were the oldest uh, of the I'm three the siblings. Youngest. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, you were the youngest, excuse me? I'm oh, the oldest. You're the oldest. Okay. I was, okay. Uh, and so uh, what is it that you remember that your Mother Gloria does not remember
3: between our house and the creek, there was another house. It was a little gray house.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, we did not know the people who lived in the house. Our folks had a lot of respect for private property. If you run to the creek, you stay on the road. You don't go in the neighbor's property. So we always circled around. Mm-hmm. Um, Mom does not remember the existence of that house. So my sister and I, who do, Mm-hmm. Have referred to it in conversation, and she says there was no gray house, and we said yes, there was. So our family has evolved the device of the gray house universe, which is in the universe that I live in, which had a gray house in it. Mm-hmm. This is the way the world was. But mom says in the universe that I live in, there is no gray house, and this is the way the universe
1: works. So, so. you were you were describing you were describing the theory, the 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 physics theory of many worlds.
3: Yeah, Where, something along those lines.
1: You and you and your your mother are now living in parallel dimensions. <laughs>
3: yes, precisely. At the at the gray house, it diverged and never. And and as as uh, divergent lines are prone to do, they keep growing further further apart.
1: Now, grandmother Gloria. Uh, yes. uh, uh, you dispute the existence of this house. Yes, I do. Okay, I can't a- ask you to describe an absence. <laughs> No. Uh, but how do you explain? Well yes,
4: there was a field of hay mm-hmm. between us and the creek and they didn't go in the street to go down to the creek. They crossed the field.
1: So you're saying that first of all, may I ask, was this was the hay? Uh, gray and house-shaped by any chance no
4: well, it was green in the spring and it was brown in the fall
1: green in green spring brown in the fall nothing unusual or house-shaped there and, no. and even though your daughter denise says that she would not pass through that field because it was private property uh you're saying she uh, she routinely passed through that field she retu- retu-
4: routinely passed through that field. It was private property, but there were no houses there, and nobody was in the area. Oh, and so they crossed it- that field to go to the creek. They didn't go in the street to
1: do it. So, so, she, so it was private property, but she, your, your daughter was just a mischief-making trespasser. Right. All right. Why do you think she remembers a house there when clearly none was there?
4: I have no idea. She has a very vivid imagination. She's very talented and she's an artist and very creative. But other than that.
1: Did she ever describe other things that that, uh, you do not believe existed or could be verified to not exist?
4: She works with clay a lot, and she she has to. The clay has to tell her what to make out of it before she can make it.
1: Okay, uh, I am personally neither drunk nor high at the moment, so I don't understand what you just said. <laughs> Could you explain what you mean? She's a potter. Mm-hmm. She
4: works with clay. She makes things out of clay. Makes ceramics and stuff.
1: And the clay tells her what to make. Yes. And you're speaking metaphorically. Yes. For, for the act of inspiration. <laughs>
4: right. right.
1: You believe simply that your daughter is a, a trespasser, but that she is not a mentally ill, hallucinating person.
4: I don't, I don't believe she's a trespasser, and I don't believe she's mentally ill. All right.
1: So you have affection for your daughter.
4: Great deal, well, thank you.
1: It. It's a it's a first here on the Judge and podcast.
4: Just remember, she's taking care of me. I have a great deal of affection for uh, her. Uh,
1: ma'am, ma'am, uh, is there anything else you'd like to tell us? Is, do you need help of any kind? Right now, are you being, I, may,
4: if, I may, after today.
1: If if, if if you are being if you are being held against your will, would you just remain silent for the moment? I say we'll have someone come up. Uh, Rebecca, yes, you are the granddaughter, you are the daughter of Denise and the daughter of Gloria. I am, yes. Uh, please stop laughing or I'm going to make you stand up again.
2: I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm appreciating how well you're managing this conversation, Judge. Well, it's, it's, it's are, do you have it's difficulty
1: like... managing it? I mean, why are you even here? That's my question.
2: I am here, first of all, because I'm a loyal fan of the podcast, and I felt that um, because the Grey House universe is a recurring theme of conversation, it didn't seem to me that anyone would be able to satisfactorily resolve this issue, except for
1: you. You're the one with the necessary expertise. You are clarified um. buttering me up. <laughs> that, will you, that will get you only so far. Explain to me how the House universe comes into play in your life, in your life, as in well as the life. life of your family.
2: Firstly, if you spend any amount of time with my mother and my grandmother, which I do, um, you will hear repeated reference to the Grey House Universe uh, as the place where they dispose of all of their disagreements. Uh, so there'll be a conversation where they'll say, I, I think that's on the north side of the street. And the other one will say, it's on the south side of the street. And the first one will say, well, in the Grey House Universe, it's on the north side of the street. Um, or How you about- like this. Food, no, I don't like this kind of food. Well in the Grey House universe, you
1: do like this kind of food, and um, how many disagreements are they having about <laughs> objectifiably verifiable facts?
2: More than you kind of a lot, Yes, yes. Uh, so I would say if you spend uh, roughly three hours with them, you'll hear at least one reference to the Grey House Universe.
1: And uh, and how does this? How do you get implicated in this? Aside from having to hear, you all live together. Where do you, where where are you all located now? If I may ask, um, I live in Portland, Oregon. In Portland, Oregon. All right.
2: By which I mean I live in the urban part of the city, and they live uh, out in suburbia. Uh,
1: and and uh, and I presume in Portland there you you run a little organic vinyl record shop or something. <laughs> I'll never stop I'll never stop Portland
2: On, on a side note um, I read an article today about an artisanal pencil sharpener which seemed very Portland. Oh, to me Oh tell me more about that uh, he's a gentleman who charges $15 for sharpening a pencil. It takes him about a half an hour. He mm. issues a certificate of sharpness. Yes. <laughs> Apparently he's from New York, but he will be here on the 26th. And I know some people who are very eager to have their I pencil. don't know exactly
1: when this podcast will come out, but can you remember the name of the artisanal pencil sharpener?
2: <laughs> um, I could know it within moments. Well, I let actually me just t- tweeted about tell you it. what it
1: is. It is David Reese.
2: Ah, thank you.
1: And does he have a book that is out now? I don't know. It is called How to Sharpen Pencils.
2: <laughs> He's probably speaking at Powell's. I love it.
1: And, and is there a foreword to this book? The answer is yes.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh, is it written by me? And you? is it
1: written by me? Of course it is. Yay! <laughs> Did you seriously bring up artisanal pencil sharpening not knowing that I am at the center, the white hot center of the, the white hot graphite center of the artisanal pencil sharpening movement, and that David Hi. Reese is my friend? I had no idea. That was I had best, best no
2: idea. The no. best
1: piece of buzz marketing I've ever had on this, on this, in this courtroom, <laughs> we, and I appreciate uh, it very much. We had a
2: long conversation at work
1: yesterday about pencil sharpening, and then I stumbled across Link today, which
2: right. is uh, becoming
1: quite popular. Well, I appreciate and any- it, I appreciate it very much. And if you had anything at all to do with this case, I would find in your favor. But. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I do not. (laughs) Apparently, you're just podcast
1: stalking at this point. So I'm going to talk to the people who are actually having a fight. Denise, mother (laughs) of Rebecca, daughter of Gloria. Describe to me in as much detail as possible the Grey House.
3: The Grey House was, uh, let's see, small, um, single story, maybe 900 to a thousand square feet just guessing because i was never in it right had a little cement you, front you, didn't have your,
1: you didn't have your oregonian hemp tape measure with you at all times
3: no i'm afraid not darn okay. it when i was that young i didn't know about oregonian hemp mm-hmm. Oregon, no i didn't anyway no i did not measure the house and i didn't ever approach it my sister who remembers it but is not present today she did approach it once
1: is she still living? Is she alive? Is oh, she yeah, okay? she
3: lives in Seattle. I just couldn't get her to.
1: Oh, I to, see. Uh, she lives in uh, that in that written, alternate dimension.
3: Yes, it is too. Yeah. Um, I could not get her to submit a written statement of her memory of the house. Um, she's one busy girl.
1: That mm-hmm. girl. So she's, she's not disputing. She's not saying Nope. No, you. Nope. She's not saying I can't put it down in writing.
3: No, she's just um, preoccupied with her family, business, and things. And I think understand. she did not really yeah. understand the the implications of of uh, being um, guests on the podcast.
1: Yeah, you you think maybe not everyone in the world has time to sit and talk about childhood memories on a podcast? That's that the difference. The That's case. the difference right there between Seattle and Portland. Yeah, there you go. <laughs>
3: Oh, well dear. Well, I have a brother who lives in San Diego and a sister who lives in in um, Seattle. All right.
1: And do, just about do you about speak as far for, all, you you speak for all the siblings?
3: Um, my brother agrees with my mom because he says he was too young to retain any memory of it, so whatever mom says is right. My mm-hmm. sister and I both agree on the existence of the gray house.
1: Okay. And so it was a one-story house.
3: Story little house um had a sort of a, a gravel path-like driveway leading back to it. It was set a little bit further back from the street than our house was.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And um, we would come along the road, cross that driveway, and go into the shrubbery down to the creek.
1: And was it, you say that no one was living there, but it was a home in which someone would live. It could not be, say, a shed or a shack.
3: No, no as I remember it, it was lived in. It was inhabited.
1: Oh, I, I thought just, you said no, no one I, was living there.
3: Oh, maybe I am Maybe I misspoke. Oh, um, I never went there, mm-hmm. but I never sure had the impression that it was vacant.
1: So your your impression was that humans were were inside of yes. it sometimes. Did they have a television antenna or not?
3: Hmm. I don't remember a television antenna. Did
1: it have a porch?
3: Um, it did have a porch, a cement front porch with about three steps going up to it.
1: Okay. And did it were there was there anything on the porch? Is there a swing or any plants or potted plants?
3: No, the front door was a little bit recessed, so you would and you would um um, step into a little alcove before mm-hmm. you knocked on the door mm-hmm. which was set back a little bit but I don't recall anything being on the porch it wasn't a very large space
1: what color was the door
3: dark colored I don't know if it was brown or black it mm-hmm. didn't stand out from the house and it was a little bit in the, sh-
1: in the shadows. shaded, you know mm-hmm. Just, yes how, uh, how many windows would you say it had
3: Well, on the side that we saw going to the creek, it had one large window on either side of that front door. I don't know about the other sides of the house because I don't recall ever going around that way. Was it
1: was it was it a was it a clapboard house or was it a was it a stucco exterior?
3: Um, shingle. What do you call that? Um,
1: clapboard. Like
3: wooden shingles, wooden. um, Clapboard.
1: Clapboard. Is that it?
3: Okay, clapboard.
1: Yeah. Your your mother and I agree. (laughs) At least that. (laughs) Was it a pitched roof or was it a a flat roof? Was it a pitched roof or a flat roof?
3: It was slightly pitched. It wasn't a very steep, um, and maybe that's part of the reason why I remember it is because I was used to houses with steeply pitched roofs, you know, along the roof. Well, you you lived in a normal family. A normal family. Yeah, this steep, this house had a... You were a
1: steeply pitched it, roof people.
3: Yes. Well, and right. our houses had... Well, not in that house. Usually there'd be an attic or some space up there. This place maybe did have that, but it was not um, as steeply pitched a roof as I was used to thinking of.
1: Did it have a chimney?
3: I remember a chimney, yes.
1: A brick chimney or a stovepipe chimney? Brick chimney. Okay. And uh, were there was there anything in the yard?
3: The grass was tall. Maybe that's what mom's referring to about the hayfield. There was tall grass most of the front. So you really only saw the house as you crossed the the dr- the drive area. Well, look, I don't want you putting
1: and- I don't want you putting words in your mom's mouth. <laughs> I don't want you painting your mother as saying like, Oh yeah, there was a house there, but it had tall grass. Oh yeah, that's just a hayfield.
3: <laughs> well, no, but the I was the, the yard was sort of obscured mm-hmm. so by the tall grass down near the front of the road so i don't recall very much about the yard i actually don't recall anything about the yard
1: now i'm going to ask you this question i want you to think very seriously before you answer could okay. it be that it was a tardis <laughs>
3: oh no i never thought about that but i suppose it, it, if that was the case it would be there sometimes and not other times right
1: yes it would be yeah, yeah it, it would all be relative yeah uh, well, grandmother but, but, gloria that- yes You've heard a very distinct description of this house. Do you believe that this is all from your daughter's imagination?
4: Oh, no. We lived in a house very similar to the one she describes.
1: Aha! Oh. So, like the police artist... The classic, <laughs> so, like the classic police artist fallacy, she is describing as her attacker the very person who is making the sketch, the very thing that is right in front of her. Right. That's very compelling. And do you believe that your other daughter uh, is suffering the same? Uh, uh, let's say, not mass hysteria, but uh, dual hysteria.
4: No, I don't think so. Um, I think she's just agreeing with her older sister because the older sister was always in charge, I and see. so whatever the older sister says is true.
1: I see. Really? Okay, easy, Denise. Because if you yes. want to make an if you want to make the case for yourself that you're not that you're not an incredibly delusional controlling person who is keeping your mother hostage and forcing your sister to agree with you if indeed there is a sister at this point i have to question even that Then that i would sister. not that i would not jump in at this point
3: uh, this is me not jumping
1: go ahead gloria you were about to say something else
4: No, no, other than uh, in the same general areas as uh, the place we're speaking of, there was another house where we lived for a while and it was a gray house and it was about just almost identical to what she described, but we lived in that house and it was up the roadways and across the street.
1: So, so she might be confusing it with another another house?
4: It's it's possible in a child's imagination. Well, I don't like to destroy a child's imagination because there's well, nothing better than that. But.
1: That's where you and I differ.
0: <laughs>
4: oh, <really? laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Child's imagination is a wonderful thing.
1: I I feel children should start growing up and stop seeing houses. <laughs> this is another one of those Portland. That's the way outfits.
4: I was raised, and it's wrong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, and and Gloria, can you give me some examples of of where you and Denise disagree, such that you have to invoke the gray house universe rule?
4: Cooking, gardening, mm-hmm.
1: um, tomato plants. Are there uh, any areas where you actually agree on something?
4: Yes, her cooking is wonderful. Um, she takes very good care of me most of the time, <laughs> and uh, I wish she could retire so we could both enjoy retirement.
1: Raymond was the kindest, sweetest, most important leader I ever had in Korea. Can you, for a summary judgment, can any of you name the piece of culture? I'm very badly paraphrasing at that very moment.
3: No, I don't know that one.
1: It is the. It is. No it, idea. it is Frank Sinatra after he has been brainwashed in the Manchurian Candidate.
3: Oh, really.
4: I never saw The Manchurian Candidate. Um,
1: Well, I think you should both look into it, because it is a movie about conflicting and confused memories. (laughs) It may be be that one of you thought you were playing near a gray house when it turns out you were actually being brainwashed in Korea. (laughs) That may be. Rebecca, why hasn't you, an able-bodied young person living in Portland... Ridden your penny farthing bicycle <laughs> out to where your mom grew up to do some detective work. <laughs>
2: My understanding – well, the answer is twofold, actually, Judge Hodgman. My understanding is that the part of town in which this all took place is significantly different now than it was at the time and has been much more more developed and doesn't resemble what it did at the time. And the other reason is that I am not sure – uh, given the situation of the house Universe, I'm not sure that appealing to empiricism is actually going to resolve this. Um, again, because they argue about things that are, in fact, verifiable.
1: Well, uh, but, so, but clearly a choice has been made to not verify. Because yes. it could be easily verified one way or the other, could it not?
3: My thought was to go to the county and get a plat map for that period, that would have been accurate about that period. But I didn't want to destroy the discussion with mere fact. And I thought it would be nice. I didn't want to come to mom and say, see, you were wrong. So
1: well, then, I was pretty sure are, I would be right. You are an extremely I, unusual daughter.
3: <laughs> I am that.
4: If she could prove I was
1: wrong, she'd do it.
3: <laughs> really? Okay. I'm uh, going to the county, ma'am.
1: <laughs> Gloria, <laughs> Gloria, is is the house that that you raised your children in that is either next to or not next to a gray house or was next to or not next to a gray house, does, does that house still exist?
4: No, heavens no. And I, I raised my three children in about 20 different houses because we moved at least a hundred times.
1: Do you feel that, that the existence or non-existence of the gray house could be verified in that neighborhood now?
4: No, like Denise says, I think we'd have to go see if we could find some maps of that era and see if there were houses there. There were very few houses out there then, and now it's, a, you know, it's a solid mass of houses and apartments. So, if
2: I if you, may chime in, also, who
1: is uh, speaking now?
2: Sorry, this is Rebecca. Okay. A couple of weeks ago, my mother was also describing to me a memory of uh, there being construction in that neighborhood and playing in a pile of dirt. And my (laughs) grandmother, likewise, does not remember uh, Mm, any of that taking place. That's very
3: true. At the same place, along that same stretch of road, the road used to have a curve, and there were, this is Denise again, Mm -hmm. there were several car accidents along there. And so the powers that be decided to straighten it out. And uh, during the construction process, We did go down there, um, my mom and dad and my brother and sister and I all, and played in the construction, You know, ran around in the construction site and jumped off this high hill and rolled down the hill and came back up and mom didn't have any memory of that whole business of road being straightened or of us going down there and playing during the after hours and the construction process. So there are numerous instances where um one of us kids will remember something and mom will say that didn't happen or vice versa but then that's happened to me as a mom too with Rebecca well right so i think it's um i think it's an occupational hazard of parenting
1: well so you're suggesting your your mom is being pretty reasonable she's saying i don't believe that my my daughter hallucinated things i think she's just confused <laughs> and that and that a child's memory is imperfect Uh And you're saying your mom is, what, willfully (laughs) denying... The, well, the truth, willfully denying the truth, or, or is, is herself incompetent when it comes to m- remembering this particular place?
3: No, there. I think that there's probably – I was having – when we were going down to that um, construction site, I was having a fabulous time, so it stood out in my memory. For her, she was probably thinking about 400 different things, and um, it wasn't memorable for her, so it just didn't register.
1: Because children are dumb. You understand that, right? <laughs>
3: As a mother, yes. When I was a child, I thought we were brilliant. But when I became a mother, I thought, oh, those, these are dumb people.
1: <laughs> because here's the thing. Here's the thing. I am, I am myself a parent. And yes. so And the young people that are in my life have incredibly sharp memories for very small details, right, mm-hmm. because they don't have a lot to remember. So there's mm-hmm. that in your favor. At the same time, uh, the, the six-year-old in my life, a, a male child, who has an incredible memory for those little things? Routinely wakes up every day, asking, "Is this what day is this? Is this Saturday?" Well, I do that,
4: and I'm not a stickler.
1: Well, yes, but, ma'am, you've earned it. Thank you. Thank you. You're not a dum dum like my son.
4: Oh, oh no, no! You shouldn't say that about your You know son. that
1: that's not what I actually believe, man. I know. You sounded serious. Well, that's that's part of my charm. Oh!
4: <laughs> <laughs> I hope your son thinks you're charming too.
1: Well, well, well I, I have every uh, confidence that twenty years from now we'll work it out on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but for now we're getting along fine. Now here's the thing. First of all, Denise. Do, yes. you, do you want to know the answer to this?
3: Um I'm pretty convinced that I'm right and I didn't want to destroy a kind of a youthful family tool for disposing of these kinds of discrepancies in in memory. But I do think if I went down to the county and got a plat map from 1965 I would find that there was a house there.
1: And grandmother Gloria how will you feel if you are wrong?
4: I would accept it but I think it's more fun to have this as a as a place to end a dispute between us about something else that might happen and we can always file everything under the gray house illusion.
1: And how will you feel if you are right? I wouldn't want
4: Denise to know that I was right because I wouldn't want to destroy her memories.
1: (laughs) And Denise, why are you laughing uproariously at a very (laughs) sweet sentiment that your mom said?
3: I think that's very sweet of her.
1: Um, But are you you planning some punishment for her later?
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, probably not.
1: (laughs) Let me let me assure you that the court takes elder abuse very seriously. <laughs> You're not going to make her watch dancing with the stars or something, are you?
3: No, are you kidding? No, she probably want to watch a Cubs game.
1: Oh boy, sports. Well, with that, I will retire to my chambers and make my decision. I'll be back soon. Great, Please. thank you. Thank Please you. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Denise,
0: I have a question for you. Uh, Have you and your mother ever had to consign to this house dimension uh, a dispute over a person rather than a thing?
3: Well, um, there there was a recent discussion about the first time that we met our stepfather. And so that would be a person. And I remembered it being when we were living on that street. And she remembers it being as sometime later.
0: Here's my concern, Denise. If we destroy this dimension, will that make you a murderer?
3: <laughs> well, I guess it depends on who's in the dimension at the time. If it's, if it's uh hmm.
1: No, You're ready to kill.
3: kill. <laughs> not a murderer. I would say no, not a murderer. You're sharpening your
4: knives right now. No, oh, never, never, never.
0: Oh. Gloria, it sounds like you have reservations about both ways that this uh, case could turn out.
4: Yeah, I do. I I hope I kind of hope it stays in limbo because I don't want to destroy her memories, but I just know I'm right. So (laughs) so it doesn't bother me, you know,
3: we're both in the same boat. We're both convinced that we're right. But neither one of us wants the other one to be um, injured or offended or have hurt feelings.
0: Rebecca, how are you feeling? You're hoping, to, you're hoping to get out from under the weight of this thing.
2: <laughs> well, you know, that is the, uh, that's the, that's the challenge. I, I think the philosophical implications are interesting. And at the same time, I agree that the gray house universe is a convenient place to dispose of disagreements that might otherwise uh, need to be resolved, given the strong personalities of the people
1: who are utterly convinced that they are right.
0: Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom.
1: Uh, I don't know if this house exists. I mean, you asked me to rule on it, but I think really what this is is a a ruling on whether or not I'm going to compel someone to go and verify the existence of this house. It is clearly verifiable, and I could verify it, but that would require uh, resources, time, discipline, and work that I simply do not feel like deploying (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because really it's none of my business, and, I'm, and I won't care. And in many ways, the idea of the house being proved to exist is much more disappointing than the question of whether or not it does exist. Mm-hmm. And the memory uh, that you have of it, Denise, is so incredibly creepy and Ringu-like <laughs> that I w- <laughs> I really would not want to ruin that for the world, because we all do have memories from childhood of those weird, incongruous places. They're like, was that really there? I mean, I have memories of breaking into the um the 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 tan stucco service building for the huge playground um uh abutting my elementary school with my older friend Peter Rosenmeyer who was the sort of person who would walk through uh doors that mar- are marked grown-ups only and playing pool with him uh sort of in the in, in the on the makeshift pool t- well not makeshift but the, the rundown pool table uh that the, the the caretakers of the playground had there and I I it, it in like in only the light from the windows because the electricity didn't work. So much of that is strange uh, that I I almost don't want to even verify that that thing is there because uh, it's so creepy to remember us doing that, uh, especially when you consider that we were surrounded at all times by 75 uh, owls with glowing eyes. Was that true? (laughs) I don't remember. It's hard. I don't know if I want to know the truth. I also remember... Vaguely, um, uh, the Creature Double feature that would play on Channel 56 in Boston uh, in the afternoon, they would usually show Godzilla movies, but every now and then they would show um, really weird, scary movies from the 70s, like Race with the Devil, a lot of Satan worship movies, and Demon Dog, the Beast from Hell, (laughs) like all these weird movies, and there was one movie that for literally 25 years, I wasn't sure if I had actually seen it. Because it was it was such a strange movie, and there was a woman taking a shower, and three little creatures emerging from a cupboard with a straight razor. Uh, and oh my. Yeah, oh. yeah, no oh. kidding, right? <laughs> and let me tell you something. when you go when you finally discover, after twenty five years, of nightly brain searching and then IMDB searching, you finally discover that it was the TV movie Don't Be Afraid of the Dark and you see it, it's not as scary. <laughs> it's not as scary as thinking that maybe that was a product of your own imagination. <laughs> so in many ways I do feel that and, and obviously the the not knowing about the mysterious grey house. Uh, even the even the name of the thing is ambiguous. Uh, neither white nor black uh, is so functional within uh, within your obviously contentious relationship. <laughs> it provides such a suitable function, and not only uh, does it help you to resolve uh, disputes of both. Uh, of both fact and opinion on politics and religion, which frankly, let's face it, no one wants to talk about, right? Amen. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that uh, that, I, uh, that I hesitate to get rid of it, especially since the alternative would be for one of you to say to the other, let's agree to disagree, <laughs> at which point you should both shoot each other's with crossbows, because that's <laughs> the stupidest thing anyone can ever say. I mean, now you got to have that's... a chance to put all of that stuff away with a science fiction theme. You're putting it in an alternate universe, Mm-hmm. that you acknowledge exists but is not a part of your world. So I think it's beautiful. So I was, uh, you know, my, my inclination is, is to maintain this mystery for both of you.
0: Yay!
4: And yet, Thank, I have you. Thank I, you. That's the best, best decision ever.
1: Yes. And yet I have Rebecca here. <laughs> <laughs> the, problem, <laughs> who, the troublemaker. Right. Who has nothing to do with either of, of who has nothing to do with this entire dispute and just lives in Portland listening to podcasts and trying to gin up uh, stuff to talk about on the air. And Rebecca, you seem very nice, but and I was going to leave you out of this, but then as I was coming back from Chambers and you started talking about the philosophical implications. I could not allow that to go unpunished. <laughs> when you use the words philosophical implications, I'm like, no, we got to come up with some busy work for her. So I think... Oh my goodness! I think I think this is going to be a little bit. This is going to be a contentious decision, I can tell. I think, mm-hmm. for the interest uh, of of history, and for the interest of punishing you and giving and reminding you that there is more to life than listening to podcasts, I now leave it to you to verify the existence uh, or non existence yeah. of this house, and to keep the answer a secret. Oh. <laughs> Woo-hoo. I like that. You may call upon the small army of Judge John Hodgman listeners who will crowdsource some of your research. And uh, maybe you can figure out a way to translate uh, the scatter graphs of data that they give to you into some kind of bizarre crocheting project so you can still save some face in Portland. <laughs> But I, but I want you to, I want you to go and, and find out the truth and then put that truth in an envelope and seal it so that, so that you, at all times, if anything gets too heated between your mom and your grandmom, you can mm-hmm. threaten to open that thing and settle it once and for all. This is the sound of a gavel. Judge John Hodgman rules that is all.
0: Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Gloria, I think you are in the most difficult position here. How are you feeling?
4: Oh, I feel wonderful. I just had a great time. I just feel sorry for Rebecca because it's not her fault.
1: <laughs> By difficult position, do you mean that she's tied to a rocking chair in a room, <laughs> well, I am in a a room that has chair, the, yes. the lights on all the time, all night long? Sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jesse. I apologize. I'll go back to Chambers. I mean only that her
0: granddaughter has elder abused her by means of (laughs) podcast.
1: (laughs) I think she gives as good as she gets. Mm -hmm. Denise, how are you feeling?
3: I'm doing fine. I think that that's a very good idea to put it on Rebecca to sort it out. And then she can just hold it over both of us. She can say, you be quiet or I will tell you the truth. And we'll both shut up.
0: Rebecca, are you ready to head to the county clerk?
3: I I think this is a
2: brilliant, elegant solution. And I I like being the one who knows who is right. (laughs) Yes, she does.
0: (laughs) Are you prepared to take the time out of your ironic canning schedule?
2: uh, Yes, absolutely.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, Rebecca, Denise, Gloria, thank you so much for joining us on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Thank
1: you very much. Thank Thank you you very very much. Thank you guys Bye A lively exchange Eh Judge Hodgman Yeah it was really interesting Jesse Yes Do do you see that Mothman over there Or is that just me I do not see that Mothman Okay Good to
0: know And what should I do with all these prophecies Um I
1: don't know I (laughs) guess Just shove them in the Greyhouse universe Good idea But in this universe, we have a docket to clear, I believe. We sure do. Okay, here's something from Alejandra. Alejandra. She says,
0: I think we're actually legally obliged to say it in that voice when we get a letter from someone named Alejandra. Alejandra. My husband Jack forces me... My husband Yak. (laughs) My husband Jack forces me to attend all the latest Hollywood blockbuster movies with him. I do not like these kind of movies, but I go along because he has no one else to go with and I want to be nice to him. But then Jack gets mad at me when I go when I want to spend the last half hour playing with my iPhone in the lobby and waiting for him by the ladies room. (laughs) Did I mention that we're both 30? He says that my inability to sit through these kinds of movies shows that I have no attention span and no appreciation for film. I think that he should appreciate my nice gesture of accompanying him in the first place. I seek an injunction preventing Jack from dragging me to these movies or an order that if I do attend, I be allowed to leave and wander about the cinemaplex.
1: First of all, uh, Jack, this will never work out. (laughs) (laughs) Alejandra uh, has a perfectly fine attention span. And she has, I'm sure, perfectly fine taste. It just does not happen to be your taste. You cannot force someone to like something you do not like. This is something that I speak of from deep and painful experience, where as much as I love the third man, I have been trying to get my wife to watch the third man since our very first date. And she still will not watch it. She won't even watch it? No, she will not watch it. She will not watch it. Can I'm you even get her to watch the
0: carousel scene on, I mean, the uh, merry-go-round? What's that thing called? Uh, the, ferris the wheel, ferris scene? wheel
1: scene? The, the cuckoo clock scene? No. On YouTube? I, uh, forcing someone to watch a piece of culture that you like is one of the most monumentally offensive things you can do. do you, uh, cornering them and putting even the carousel scene, or excuse me, the ferris wheel scene in someone's face. Is a, is a monumentally weird and gross thing to do. Even can, the pogo stick scene. Are we talking about the same scene? Oh, I think, no, no, you're talking about the third man in the Greyhouse dimension. Right, sorry. <laughs> the, the alternate universe. You're talking about the, 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 the third man from Earth 2. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the, 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 uh, she doesn't like these kinds of movies. She's never going to like them. If she liked it, she would watch it. And there's no point in trying to insist that she like something. And you should appreciate the fact that she's going to the movies with you because she is being nice. The sooner you appreciate that there are just some movies that she's not going to like, and you can't force her to like them, and trying to is bad news for everybody, uh, the more harmonious your relationship will be. Because one thing I will tell you, that even though... There may be no third man in your life, and even though you may never actually be able to watch, say, Game of Thrones together, you'll be surprised that there is also a Breaking Bad that you will both love passionately, and you will find those things in your life that you both really enjoy. That said, Alejandra, I'm gonna tell you something. If you go to the movies, you gotta sit through the whole movie. (laughs) You can't (laughs) get up and wander around the theater because you're not a child. (laughs) <laughs> similarly you're not allowed to go to the restaurant and after you finish your entree just wander around and hang out in the phone booth reading Tintin comics while your parents have coffee That <laughs> a time in your life is over I cannot enjoin Yak from inviting you to the movies because he's free to do that and you're free to say no and I think if you don't want to go you shouldn't go but if you do go you gotta sit through the whole movie hey MaximumFun.org is looking for summer interns you can find
0: more information at MaximumFun.org slash internships Uh, students preferred but non-students certainly considered Uh, we've had both Um, we've had all kinds of interesting interns and we just got an office so you'll be working out of our beautiful new office oh is that true you have an office now? It's true. Where is it? Has it a, has a panoramic view of downtown Los Angeles. Oh, so you're
1: so, and will you be doing recording from there as well? Uh, yes. Oh, this is a big change in the, in the life of Maximum Fun, is it not? It is. A special shout out to everyone who donated during the Max Fun Drive. Congratulations to Maximum Fun, and thanks again for everyone who donated. Now, interns, why don't you uh, send in your uh, request for a consideration to where?
0: Just go to maximumfund.org/internships, and all the information is there. Maximumfund.org/internships. I, I could
1: not. You know, I've I've not I've not worked for anybody for a long time, but I could not imagine a nicer group of people to work for than you. You're not going to. You wouldn't tie anybody up in a wheel in a in a in a rocking chair, right? In the fruit cellar. I mean, if it came to it, but it seems unlikely.
0: Right. We'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is a production of MaximumFun.org. Our special thanks to all of the folks who donate to support the show and all of our shows at MaximumFun.org slash donate. The show is produced by Julia Smith and me, Jesse Thorne, and edited by Mark McConville. You can check out his podcast, Super Ego, in iTunes or online at GoSuperEgo.com. You can find John Hodgman online at AreasOfMyExpertise.com. If you have a case for Judge John Hodgman, go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. If you have thoughts about the show, join the conversation on our forum at Forum.MaximumFun.org and our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash Judge John Hodgman. We'll see you online and next time right here on the Judge John Hodgman podcast.